Thank you, praise team, for your help today. And again, just such a joy to look out there and see so many good-looking people. I'm glad you're here. Thank you so much. And most of you seem like you're in an okay mood. I like that. That's a good thing. It's, it's great to have you here. You know, I, I, I want to start this message off today before we even look at the scripture just for a moment to talk to you and say to you that sometimes as a pastor, uh, God lays something on my heart to preach and I kind of wince a little bit about it. But I do believe that what God has laid on my heart today to preach to you is exactly what he would have me to preach. And I'm, I'm going to ask you to consider this. I, I'm going to ask you, church, to consider uh, if you prefer to have a preacher who always says what you like to hear or if you want him to preach the truth all the time, even if it's a little difficult to hear. My prayer is that most of us here would be willing to say, look, I want I just want to know the truth and I just want to know what the word of God says. And I'm going to kind of warn you today that some of you might walk out of here saying, man, I, I, I can't hardly believe he preached that message. I just need to remind you that what we're about to look at in the word of God is in the word of God. Okay, and so the truth that I'm going to preach to you comes straight from the word of God. And I've done my very best to be accurate, to study, to know what I'm talking about here for for this this morning. So as soon as I tell you, uh, some of you where I'm preaching from, some of you will go, oh, now I get it. I'm going to ask you to go to the last book in the Old Testament, the book of Malachi. And in the book of Malachi, we're going to chapter 3, and we're looking at verses 6 through 18. And I want to say, as you are turning here, these are words that God told the prophet directly to say to his people. Okay, so these are from the mouth of the Lord God. These words come directly from God, and so they are for his people. And today, I'll just uh, tell you ahead of time, I'm preaching today to born-again believers. I'm speaking to those of you who are part of the church of Jesus Christ. And I'll come to to my remarks about that in just a moment. But we're going to Malachi chapter 3, verses 6 through 18. And we begin our reading in verse 6, where the Lord is speaking, I, the Lord, do not change. So you, O descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of, of your forefathers, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you. Will you just lock that into your memory? Will you just put that in your, somewhere deep in your heart? Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. I just need to camp here for one more second and say, anybody who sincerely returns to the Lord will have the promise kept that he will return to us. I love that. Says the Lord Almighty, but you ask, how are we to, to return? Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. You're under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I'll not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your your fields will not cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. Then all nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. You've said harsh things against me, says the Lord. Yet you ask, what have we said against you? You have said, 
It is futile to serve God. What do we gain by carrying out his requirements and going about like mourners before the Lord Almighty? But now we call the arrogant blessed. Certainly the evildoers prosper and even those who challenge God escape. Then those who feared the Lord talked with each other. And the Lord listened and heard. A scroll of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honored his name. They will be mine, says the Lord Almighty. In the day when I make up my treasured possession, I will spare them. Just as in compassion, a man spares his son who serves him. And you will again see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked. Between those who serve God and those who do not. Those are powerful, compelling words from the Lord God for us to consider today. And that's what I would like us to do. You know, social networking programs have had an enormous impact on our society in the last five or so years, haven't they? It's changed uh, the landscape of our society. Programs like Facebook and others have ushered in a new outlet. And anyone now can communicate to masses of people via Facebook and other programs like that. And some of you are bloggers. Now, for those of us who were not around here 20 years ago, if somebody would have walked up to me and called me a blogger, I wouldn't have known if that was an insult or if that was a compliment. I would have probably thought, what do you mean, I'm holding up traffic or something? I I had no idea 20 years ago what a word blogger means. But our world has changed. And I have to tell you, I have a Facebook account. And I got on Facebook uh, some time ago because so many people in my church uh, where I pastored previously and here, so many of you are on Facebook. And it's just one more way to communicate, one more way to stay in touch. And I want you to hear me say this right away. There is nothing evil in and of itself about a computer program. It's no more evil than than a radio or a TV or anything. Evil things can happen there, but in and of itself, it's not an evil thing. So anyway, I have one. But one of the things that's kind of intriguing about me, about Facebook and some of those kind of programs, is the ability that people, the capacity that people have to post pictures. And I like pictures. I like to see them. Uh, the pictures, though, that I like the most are the ones that aren't posed. I like candid shots. I like those kind of snapshots. When you're getting a picture taken of you and you were not aware that somebody was taking your picture, uh, those are the fun ones to see. And they're not always flattering, are they? Have you ever had a picture taken of you and say, please do not post that? Okay, I'm sure that we've been there. Now, the other day, I decided to look around, poke around on Facebook, and I found some candid shot, uh, snapshots of some of you. And now before we go very, very far here, uh, don't get upset with me because these are on Facebook. Okay, so millions of people, if they wanted to, could find your picture here. So that's a candid picture of our dear Stephen Day cooking. Hello there, Bonnie. Okay. I'm sorry about that one there. Uh, Yeah, that was at an event here. I love it. Uh, I'm not sure if Craig is awake in that picture there. And I, I love that picture of Lori. Is that all? Okay. I, I, I only brought those out to, to make a suggestion and a comparison. I would suggest to you, and again, let me say this to you before I move any further. Today, my message is directed 
specifically at those of you who know that you are born again. And you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And there's not a question in your mind. You have, you're a Christian. You're a follower of Jesus Christ. And you have committed to him. And you have committed to obey him. Okay? So I'm speaking to you today uh, specifically. And it's very rare that I, I pick a group of people when I'm preaching. I say this is aimed at them. But today it is aimed at you. And I feel led to do this. And what I want to suggest to you is our, our giving... Our generosity is a candid snapshot of who we really are in heart. Whether we like the candid picture or not, our giving, uh, it reflects who we are in Christ. It says an awful lot about what kind of faith we have, what kind of relationship we have with the Lord. And it says an awful lot about your heart for Jesus Christ. And I want to take a few moments to consider our giving, consider these words juxtaposed today in our society against the words of the Lord here and and begin to look at this. Because one more time, let me suggest to you that what a Christian does with his or her money is a candid picture of who they are in their heart. What a believer does with his or her money is a snapshot of their walk with Jesus Christ. I want to establish just a few foundational truths as a backdrop for this message. Tithing, giving a tenth of the gross that comes in to our possession, is something that was established in the Word of God in the book of Genesis. And all throughout this book, Old and New Testament, the the commandment to tithe to God's uh, children, to, to followers of the Lord... The commandment is there. You find it in the Old Testament. You find it in the New Testament. It's not a suggestion. It is a command of God that we would tithe. Offerings, which is giving over and above a tithe, when a person is led to do so by the Holy Spirit, offerings are also commanded by the Lord in the Scriptures. The giving of tithes and offerings has been practiced throughout the Old and New Testament uh, times and has been practiced in the church since because it is a commandment of God. Now, let me talk to you about what my giving reveals about me. First, I would suggest to you my giving reveals my philosophy about possessions. In the church, we'd like to talk about stewardship. And the idea of stewardship is the idea that a person has been entrusted with something that belongs to someone else and they are responsible for it. They are responsible to care for the thing. They are stewards of that something that belongs to another. Just imagine that I made a decision uh, today that I wanted to break out my motorcycle, which I like a lot. And I just decided I'm going to give my motorcycle to Kenny. I like Kenny an awful lot. And I'm going to say, look, Kenny, this is my bike, but I want you to have this to ride. You can use it anytime you want. You can pick up chicks with it. You can do whatever you want on this bike. And my only my only condition on this is that you take care of my bike. Okay, don't dent it up. Don't let it get filthy, dirty, because I like my bike to be clean. Just take care of it. Make sure it gets its maintenance. If you would like that deal, you may use my bike. And most young men would say, awesome. I take you up on that. 
And I would tell them, I'll keep the title, it'll be my bike, but you can use it anytime you want. What do you think I would think of him if one day I'm out and I see him on my bike, it's all dented up, it's all filthy, and it's all broken down. He's a steward of a possession that I have given to him and I've entrusted with, trusted him with, and I would want him to take care of it. My giving is, is a, a thing that reveals my philosophy about possessions. And I want to ask you some questions to consider today. In your mind, whose house do you live in? In your mind, whose clothes are you wearing? Whose car do you drive? Whose tools do you use at work? Whose lawnmower are you using to cut your lawn with? And whose grass is it that you cut? And whose air are you breathing? Whose sunlight do you enjoy? You get what I'm trying to say. I believe that if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, a follower of the Lord God, you acknowledge that everything you have is because he allowed you to have it and gave it to you. Now, I know some of you are going to say, Pastor Ken, come on. I go to work every single day. I work really, really hard. And I have saved and I have scrimped. And I bought that. I acquired that. Who gave you the wherewithal to go there? Who gave you the talent and the abilities that you have to earn money? I can tell you who did that. That's the Lord. And so a believer, our philosophy of possession should be the biblical philosophy and principle is everything I am, everything I own, it's all because of God and it came from him. He is my provider. He has given everything that I have to me. And so when I drive that 1999 uh, Ford F-150 truck around, it's the Lord's truck. And so if you if your philosophy is this really is on loan to me by God, God provided this for me. When somebody asked to borrow your pickup truck, it's not as hard to say. Yes, it's pretty easy. Well, it's the Lord. So take care of it. And I honestly view my possessions this way. Darlene and I have come to the conclusion that everything that God has blessed us with has been blessed on us by our God. And we don't have a house without him. We don't have clothes to wear without him. That's how I view possessions. And that's what our giving reveals. It reveals our philosophy about our possessions. What I'm saying is absolutely vital for a couple of reasons. First, because when a person knows that everything comes from God, everything they possess comes and ultimately belongs to the Lord God, they understand who their source is. You know what? who my provider is? It is not you. I love you. I thank God that you are willing to support my family and me and give me a salary. I'm very grateful for that. But you know who supplies my needs? My God who breathed the stars into existence. My God who made everything there is out of nothing. That's my provider. He's the one who has done this. He is the way maker. And I want to say something to you, my friends. He'll make a way for you if you trust in him. He knows all about your circumstances. And believe it or not, he knows about your bills and your checkbook. He peeks in there. He knows. He knows the size of your bank account or the non-existence of it. He sees all of that. He knows how much money you make, and he also has made a promise to every believer. I'm talking to people who are in a relationship with Jesus. I will meet all of your needs according to my riches in Christ Jesus. 
So he knows your needs and he knows how to meet it. Our church, like almost every other church in this area, like many churches in this area, is is experiencing currently a a financial strain, a serious financial strain. God knows all about it, and God is our provider. If if I am am going to believe this, then as a pastor, I can't just lay in bed all of the time in angst, biting my fingernails off, saying, what will we do? What will we do? I have to trust that God knows about our church, amen, that he loves us, that he provides for our needs, that he knows where it is. I have a dear friend who used to say, Pastor, I'm convinced that God knows where more money is located that has been lost. More money than would meet the needs for our church until Jesus comes back. He even knows where that is. And I believe that's very true. God knows where money is lost if he needs to find money for us. God can provide it for us is what I'm trying to say. And what he is saying to us, knowing that God is our source, is vital because when we stop treating our possessions like we're owners of them, and we begin to start treating them like we are stewards of them, it aligns our hearts with what this book says. So please don't let possessions become so important to you. Understand they come from God and he has provided. The second thing, this leads to the second reason why this is a vital philosophy or more important, it's a vital principle of scripture for followers of Jesus to ascribe to stewardship principles is a steward always asks the owner, what do you want me to do with that possession? What would you like me to do? Darlene and I have, and again, I'm, I'm sharing our example because that's who I know. And so I'll just share Darlene and I. Darlene and I have, uh, since we've been married for 30, almost 38 years now, we have always had this mentality that our home is ultimately God's to use. And so throughout the years, it's been interesting to see how God has brought people to us and, 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 and led us to open our home to them and help them. And throughout our marriage, we have done that. And it's because we believe the house doesn't belong to us. It belongs to our God. And so God says, I want you I want to use a bedroom for a little while. Then that's what we'll do. We'll, we'll, we'll just do that. And we we try to be led by the Holy Spirit. We try to be wise about it. But that's what we do because we believe it belongs to him. And so that's what we have tried to, how we have tried to view where we live. We asked the owner, what would you like us to do with the possessions that we have in, in, uh, that we're in charge of, that we're stewards of? If I'm only a steward of my weekly paycheck, my first consideration needs to be, what would God like to do with this check? Okay? And all of us sitting here have been there saying, boy, I hope God lets me have most of this. You know, we've all been there, we, and I understand that. I want you to know. But let me ask you a question, and I, I just want you please go here. Indulge me for a second. Just, just pretend that somebody very wealthy approached you and says, uh, listen, I want to do something for you. No strings attached. I, I want to do this for you because I care about you. I love you. What I'd like to do is I want to give you $100 every single week just give it to you because I love you. You can use that $100 any way you want with one caveat. I would like for you to hand me back $10 every week. I'll give you 100 You keep 90 
Now, I'm, I'm not, uh, this is rhetorical, don't raise your hand, but wouldn't you take that deal if a rich man came to you or a rich woman said, you know, I'm going to give you $100 every week, I'm asking you give me back $10, just as a token of appreciation. Would you do that? Would you, would you, do, would you sign up for that? I would. If any of you want to do that for me, that would be awesome. Mark, you and I can talk, okay? Uh, just kidding, just kidding. But if any of you want to do that for me, I'm, I'm game. And I'll give you back, I'll probably give you 20, okay? And I'll take 80. That's okay. I don't mind that deal. It's a good deal for me. And I'm asking you, what if, what if a rich person did that? Wouldn't we be insane to not do it? What would you think of a person then who would say, you know what, I, I don't think I'm going to give you that $10 anymore. I want that hundred. In fact, I demand it. You give me that. You keep giving me that hundred, buddy. But I'm not giving you, you that ten dollars. I need that ten dollars. I want. I want an Xbox or whatever. Now, I know that sounds ludicrous, but do you know that believers do that to the Lord all of the time? Can I take you back to what was going on here when the Lord said some powerful words to these people? He asked them, "Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me." But you ask, how do we rob you? And he said, in tithes and offerings. And then you're under a curse. Let me explain what was happening in the nation of Israel. God had taken a people who were just a bunch of slaves and nobodies on the face of the earth. I'm not trying to be nasty. That's who they were. They, they were treated like dogs. They, they were treated like animals. God loved them. They called out to God. God loved them. God brought them in and made them his own. God helped them prosper. God brought them to a land. They lived in houses they did not build. And they lived in a place where they had all kinds of wealth. God did that for them. And you know that once they got there, they began to, you know, God had some worship um, um, commandments. And, and he said, these are the requirements that I have, that you worship me. And he gave them a way to worship him. And one of those things was to take from their possessions their prized uh, animal such as a, a, a sheep or, or a, a lamb, I should say, or a prized animal, and to bring it in, one without blemish, and to sacrifice it to him as a way to say thank you. That was one of the things that they were to do. Bring it into the temple and worship me and acknowledge that I'm blessing your life. You know what they started to do, led by the priest? They started to bring in blemished animals. They said, oh, that one's limping around. It's not worth anything. That's what I'll give to God. I'll just throw a token thing to God. And they began to put in way less than what God had required to them. And again, not because God is poor. Do you think God needs your money? Come on. This was for them. This was to keep their mindset where it needed to be. This is for them to understand who it was that provides all of this for them. And he just says, I just want you to give back this first fruit to me because it is, a, it is a sign of your love for me and your appreciation. And they, led by the priests, would give sick animals and dying animals and blinded animals and things. They were given less than what God had required. So he says, you're robbing me. I bless you and I give you and I tell you just to give you this one thing back, the tithe and the offerings, and you won't do it. And so God cursed them. And I need you to understand that this is a serious thing to the Lord when a Christian deliberately disobeys his command to them. 
on a personal level, I embraced this this biblical principle of stewardship for quite some time. And I guarantee you from my heart, there is wonderful freedom and peace in knowing that my possessions really are God's and not mine. All I have to do is be a steward of them. That's a lot better than me having to get my own stuff. I rely on God and God provides it. Here's the second thing that that your giving will reveal about you. It'll reveal your faith in God. It'll reveal your level of faith in God. This is a candid snapshot, people. Okay, and this may not be flattering. Your hair may not be in the right place, but this reveals how much faith you have in God. Many believers don't tithe and don't give offerings. Those who don't, don't do so because they're so afraid. And it looks a little bit like this. They sit down with their bills and they're stacked all up on the table and then they have their checkbook. And when they start doing their math, looking into their bank account, they run out of money before they run out of bills. Have you been there and bought that T-shirt? I, I know what that feels like. Taking 10% off of our gross on paper virtually would seem to ensure that checks are going to go all bouncing. And so we, that's a fearful thing. That's a scary thing. And so the first thing that people, believers tend to do is say, I can't pay my tithe. I, I can't. I can't afford that. And so we, we cut it off there. Please believe me. Please believe me when I tell you that Darlene and I know exactly what it feels like to lay out your bills and lay out your checkbook and see what uh, you don't have. (laughs) And it is tough and it is scary. We know how it feels to believe that we are being led by the Holy Spirit to give money that's not in our bank account. We've been there, done that too, and it is scary. But the question of, of a steward always has to be in a situation like that is what does the owner want me to do about this? It's God's paycheck. So, God, what would you want me to do? And take it to the Lord. And Darlene and I made a decision a long time ago in our marriage that as for us, sink or swim, we were going to make the first check a tithe check to the Lord every week, every time. First check, 10% off our growths. And then we would begin to ask the Lord, what offerings would you require of us or what would you like? And we began to pay that first. One thing we began to understand as we started looking at our finances, and this is Darlene and my story, might not be your story. I'm just sharing this with you. One thing we discovered is that there were some things that we were spending God's money on that we really didn't need to spend money on. Did you know that you can literally survive without cable and Internet? We found that out. You can live without it. That was a little bit shocking, but yes, you can. You don't have to have cable TV, and you don't have to have Internet. Did you know that an older vehicle that's well taken care of will get you from point A to point B just as well as a brand-new, beautiful uh, SUV? It will. It's shocking, but we found that out. We learned that older vehicles, you know, my newest vehicle, my newest vehicle has 108,000 miles on it, okay? And, and it's little, and but it gets us from point A to point B all the time. Really reliable. Like the car very much. And we've discovered that they work just as well as a nice expensive car that would be a car payment. Did you know that if you buy clothes at the Goodwill, that they cover you up just as much as designer clothing. And I'll tell you something about me, and I know you figured this out because you, you, you look. I mean, you can tell. I don't care about fashion. It's a freeing thing to get old enough to not care. 
Teenagers look at me and they go, oh, my goodness. And some of them, I love this. Isn't that little old man cute? I like that when they think I'm cute. Yeah. I don't try to dress some special way. I, I tell you what I try to do. I try to cover up, man. I just, the more I cover up, the more thankful you should be. And that's, that's, you know, I try to be modest. I don't care much about style. And Darlene and I have discovered that Goodwill's a good store, man. Salvation Army, great store. And we're not, we take no shame in that. In fact, Darlene would be really proud when she comes home. I went to the, the, um, the Goodwill store. Look what I got for only $5 and 60 cents, you know, or whatever. And so I'm just saying we have discovered ways that maybe we weren't being as careful with the Lord's money as we we should have been. You get my point. And what I'm trying to say is once Darlene and I began to spend God's money less selfishly, and once we were actually satisfied, or uh, sorry, we actually sacrificed a little bit so that we could tithe and get offerings, God began to turn that around for us and bless us. And he began to provide things. I want you to look with me again at verses 10 through 12. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Storehouse is your local place of worship. That there may be a there may be food in my house. Test me in this. Nowhere else in Scripture does God say that. Nowhere else does God say test me. But he's daring you. It's like God says, I dare you. Test this says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room to contain it. And then he says what he will do, and then all nations will call you blessed. Let me brag on Jesus for just a few minutes with you. My friends, I'm telling you the truth here. This is not a lie. I have lost count of the times when money came to us that I did not expect to come to us. It came from a source I did not expect it to come from because we were obedient to the Lord. God just saw to it that it came to us. I want to just stop and say this. You're not you're not going to ever hear me stand up in front of this church and tell you if I have a financial need. Not going to hear me say that. I'm going to go to God. I'm going to go to my father. And I've never stood up in front of a church or a group of people. I've never whined it before people and said, I can't, I don't have money. I've never done that because my father knows how to take care of me. And I can say that with integrity. Darlene and I know that. So you're never going to hear that, God willing, from us. I have a financial need. You're not going to hear that. You might hear me say, I don't think I can afford that right now. We've all been there, right? But you're not going to hear me say, oh, I'm starving. You're not going to hear that, okay? But I have lost count of the opportunities that God has given to me to earn extra money when I needed it in times of need. In the days that I was a drywall finisher, um, at opportune times when it looked like the bills couldn't be paid after we paid our tithes, a side job would open up and God would give me the energy and the strength and the ability to do a side job and I'd have extra money. God gave me the ability and the good health to do it. God blessed me, and I don't know why, but he blessed me. And when I was younger, it was much stronger. But God gave me a voice to sing with. And there was a period of my life when God uh, used that talent to... I was in demand. I was getting calls all the time. I was asked to come and sing at places. And so many times I would sing for various things, and I would get money to do it. I never would ask for it, but it would be given to me. My wife and I also have been able to go to retreats that we never paid for. Not only that, but we were paid to be there because we were the speaker and the singers. 
God did that. I didn't ask for that. I didn't seek them out. These things came to me. I would be given an honorarium. It'd be just enough money. God would just always meet our needs. Add to that the bonus of just having the privilege of being with some wonderful people that we have met. God did that for me. I've, I've met some of the coolest people on the planet simply because of how much God has blessed my life. I, I, I want to tell you, that's not where I started, but this is where I am today. I have the privilege of being your pastor. God did that. And so I've had the honor of preaching and singing in a whole lot of settings, all because of God's love for me. And I've been compensated to do these things. I've had vehicles given to me. I never, never ask, never ask. But God has has provided it, moved on somebody's heart. I have to tell you a funny story. I'll try not to make it too long. Uh, one, there was a period of time when I was a youth pastor. Darlene had a job that was quite a little ways away. And uh, thank God she worked because the youth pastor pay wasn't really good. So she had a nice car to drive, a reliable car to drive. And I had a motorcycle, okay? And that's all we had. So I used it all year long. I never complained about it. In fact, at that age, in my early 30s, I thought I was pretty cool. And so, uh, but in the middle of the winter, when it was like 25 degrees or less, uh, I'm driving down the road. I'm looking like a Michelin man. I got so many clothes on. I'm rolling by people. It's so fun to see them stare at me like, oh, my word, what's wrong with that guy? Man, I go rolling right by him. All suited up. And so all winter long, I did that. And there was a guy that God God just spoke to. And said, you know, your youth pastor needs a car. And he gave me a, a, a neat car. It was an old uh, Caprice. It was a Chevy Caprice. It was two zip codes long. It was ugly brown as ugly brown you could find. It was an ugly car. It really was homely, okay? And so as soon as I started riding around in this car, some of my really cool teenager uh, buddies, my, my, the guys in my youth group, began to mock me and make fun of me because I rode this ugly car around all the time. And they, you know, they thought they were all that and two bags of chips. And many of them had nicer cars than I ever had, which was fine. I, I had no problem with that. And I just would let them run their, their, their mouth. Well, one day, the, the chick magnet in our youth group, this kid, really good-looking kid, looks like a model. He's a grown man now, has a family. But really good-looking kid. All the girls loved Aaron. And Aaron was just ragging me one day. And I just turned around. I looked at him. I said, hey, Aaron. I said, what are you doing after school tomorrow? He says, I don't know. I said, you want to go to McDonald's with me? And the dummy said yes. And you want to know what I did. I rolled up in front of, of uh, Caesar Rodney High School, blowing the horn of that ugly, ugly car, yelling at the top of my voice, Aaron Morris, hey, here I am. I'm here to pick you up. He came running to me, dove into the car. Get out of here. Get out of here. I don't want them to see me. And I was screaming, what's wrong, Aaron Morris? Don't you like my car? And I embarrassed the living daylights out of him. I had more fun in that ugly car picking up teenagers and embarrassing them than I, it was the greatest gift ever. And it was a reliable car. I'm just saying to you, I'm bragging on what Jesus does. And he has always blessed me. He has always been good. He does not lie. You see, God has been my source. I've been on vacations I never paid for. God gave them to me. I didn't ask for them. God did that. 
And all throughout our lives, the Lord has been faithful to Darlene and I as we have just trusted him and given as he has told us to give it because it's his. It doesn't belong to us. And he blesses us anyway. And this is a true promise and a true scripture, God has poured into my life more blessings than I could ever even enumerate for you. And if he does no more for me, he's done more for me than he's done for a lifetime or for people in a lifetime. And I'm not saying because I'm special, I've just tested him. I believed in him. I'm saying to you that God has been my source. He doesn't lie. I have tested him and he's blessed me just like he said he would. If he never gives me anything else, he's done already more than I could count. And you're looking at a guy who at one point in his life as a teenager was in a family on welfare. Who had to live um, wearing clothes that were passed down to me. Who were, was often made fun of because of wearing shoes that were too big or the wrong style or I know, I know what it's like to be poor. I know what it's like to look into the cabinets as a teenager and see no food, none. No food in the refrigerator. I know what it's like to drink powdered milk, drink canned milk. I know what it's like to, for a meal to take some bread and break it up and put powdered milk in it and try to put some sugar and whatever else I can doctor it up with to eat. I know all of those things, but I want to promise you something. In those lean times... When my brother and I would go out to work on farms and we would bring money home just so that we could eat. We'd give it to dad and dad would go and, and buy groceries. We would do that because my mom was so addicted to drugs that she got her hands on it. She'd spend it on drugs. And my dad would go getting food and he would bring it in. That's often how food came into our house. We just trusted. I just I learned back then that God was my source. And I will tell you more than one time. There was no food in the cabinets, and my dad would have us get, a, get at the table. He'd set the plates out, and we would pray. We didn't have a phone. We didn't have a way to tell people our need. But I remember one time specifically, we were praying, and God was thanking. My dad was thanking God for the food he would provide for his family because he said he would. No food was on the table. While we were praying, unbeknownst to him, a lady drove up into our driveway from our church, and she came to the door sheepishly, and she says, Pastor, sorry, Brother Dusa, I, I, I hope this... This is a little embarrassing. I hope this doesn't offend you, but God really laid it on my heart to fix this big pot of stew. Could you use it? As we prayed, that happened. God takes care of us. So I'm not, I'm not speaking out of some made-up fantasy. I live this. I understand what it feels like to be scared and not know how we're going to make ends meet. We go there sometimes. I mean, we all been there. I'm just saying to you what I have learned is that God does not lie in our lean times. I know that my God shall meet all of my needs according to his riches and he'll open up the floodgates of heaven. My needs, my debts, my bills do not compare to my God. He's bigger than they are. They're, not, they're a mountain to me sometimes, but to God, mountains are thrown into the heart of, of the sea when faith is, is used. So when we take in new members as a Wesleyan church, one of the commitments is that you tithe. Not because we want your money, but because we know it's an obedience to the Lord and God ties a promise to it for you. We want him to bless you. 
And we want you to know the blessed life of trusting in God. One other note here. If a believer really is a steward of the Lord's money and possessions, you cannot show me in scriptures justification for any person of any believer to withhold tithes all of a sudden because you're mad at your church. Listen, I want to say this lovingly. And I've, I've had this happen. I've had people get mad at me and say, Pastor, as long as you're pastor here, I'm not paying my tithes. And I'm like shocked. I said, so you're disobeying God because you don't like me as a leader. I don't understand that. Christian, if you refuse to pay a tithe because you think your church isn't being a good steward with your tithe, let me say this to you here today. For your own sake, please find a church that you can feel comfortable in. But a tithe is an important thing to do, and the offerings are important. Now, let me very quickly go to the third thing that you're given, this snapshot. It reveals about you. It reveals your sensitivity to need. We don't have to look far to see need around us. Amen? I pray that it still moves our hearts when we see somebody hurting, when we see somebody in need. God's people should be sensitive to that. And, and we should be hanging on to God's money and God's stuff loosely enough to say, if there is a need, I'm willing to part with some of this for the glory of God to help somebody else. That, that just, that's a candid shot, uh, a snapshot of our heart. If we easily just walk by people in need and like blow them off and keep them at arm's length all the time, if we can just do that and not care, then that says something about who we are in our relationship with the Lord. Cause I promise you, Jesus didn't just Walk by. I promise you that he loved people and he did something about it. And, and I'm not saying he healed every single person who was sick in the world. The Bible says he didn't. Sometimes he walked through a middle of a whole bunch of sick people, picked one out and said, do you want to be well? Jesus did that. But he always had a heart and a sensitivity to need. And here's the thing is, can the Holy Spirit say anything to me about the need of somebody else? And if he does, will I part with something I cherish for the glory of God? It's not mine. And so if God lays it on my heart to give, I need to give. And so my giving has a whole lot to say, gives a candid snapshot about my sensitivity to need. So sometimes offerings... And this is where offerings come in. Sometimes offerings are asked for by the Lord. And we're asked to give them. And we need to be able to do that. I want to finish this sermon with this. And I need you to hear me. Because I've said some pretty, like, really in-your-face stuff today. I know I have. I finished this with this. Let me clearly say to you, there is nothing, let me repeat that word, nothing wrong with a Christian living in a nice new house. If you live in a nice house, be grateful to the Lord for it because he gave it to you and he blessed you with it. And be thankful. That's from God. If you drive a nice new car, that's not evil. That's a wonderful thing. If you got nice vehicles, I'm really happy for you. I want you to have a a nice vehicle. If I had my way, every, every one of you would. If you wear beautiful clothing, that's not sinful. That's not wrong. If you enjoy a toy like a boat or a camper, that's not sinful. There's nothing wrong with a Christian enjoying things that God blesses him with. There's nothing wrong with it unless those things prevent a Christian from giving the way God would have them to give. There it is. Do you recognize that it's still God's and that if he calls on you to part with it, can you do it? That's all. And so I just want to challenge you. What need does the Lord come to you about sometimes? Does he speak to you about supporting a missionary? Does he speak to you about doing something else? What does he move on you to give?
what, what is he asking you to part with if he ever does? All I'm asking you to do is to recognize that your, need, your giving is a, is a candid snapshot of your heart and who you are. And I will tell you, if you're new to our church, this is the first sermon that I've preached about money since I've been a pastor here. And I'll also tell you that if you're new here to the church, most time I don't just preach to the Christians in the group. But I felt led of the Lord to say what I said and to bring this teaching to you. And I pray that God will just let it, let the, let it fall where it needs to fall on the fertile soil of your hearts and that you'll just be obedient. What I just preached for you and to you, first of all, is truth. And second of all, is for your benefit. I want you to know that. Preached it because I love you. And I want you to enjoy the blessed life. And God will bless you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your power. We thank you for all that you do in our lives. I ask you to minister, Lord God, to our people and help us to be an obedient church. Just help us be obedient, oh God. Thank you for your love. Help us now, Lord God, to go out of here and just kind of let this, these things roll over in our hearts and our minds. It's, it's a good thing once in a while for we as Christians to evaluate our own motives and our own hearts. And just help us to, to respond to you appropriately. Thank you again for all that you do in Jesus' name. Amen.